Hi, my name's Addison Beerley. Hi, my name's Braxton Adcock. I remember meeting Braxton in kindergarten about 11 years ago in Miss West class. And, you know, I was just trying to make a new friend, and so I asked her what her favorite color was, because we were both sitting at the blue table. And she said, blue. My favorite color is not blue anymore, it's black. And I was like, no way, me too. We're friends now. And yeah, we've been friends ever since. Over the years, we just kind of became closer and started hanging out outside of school. And we'd always, we found things in common, like we loved playing volleyball and we loved bowling. And we even like joined a bowling league together and just kind of became best friends. Even over the years, we kind of like had our own friend groups and had different friends. We always like stayed connected. And I think something about Addison is just her, just being a genuine human being. And I think that her being there for me throughout everything was amazing. I remember one day in like seventh grade, I went over to Braxton's house. We had bought some snacks. We we're just gonna like hang out in this empty field, like with a blanket to just stargaze. It was getting kind of deeper and I felt this pull to like, ask her about like Jesus and like what she believes because we'd been friends for forever but never really really like talked about that stuff and so she was kind of like doubting what she believed in and I just kind of talked to her about it and it I could see like the gears turning in her head like she was thinking really thinking about it. So I was really questioning why I thought that Jesus didn't love me and I didn't feel worthy of his love and um, Addison really helped me get through that and I love her for that, really. One day I remember inviting Braxton to go on a walk with me because I really wanted to talk to her about baptism and accepting Jesus into her heart. And I eventually, that conversation went well and I invited her to church and a youth group and just getting more plugged in with the church. And then on July 25th, 2022, Addison baptized me and it was the greatest day of my life. Isn't that awesome? Let's give God glory for that story. Yeah. It's true. I love my church. I love hearing stories about God's church helping other people connect to Christ. Hearing Addison's story and Braxton's connection to Jesus, man, it excites me. Now, I wonder how many of you are a little like Braxton. You had someone in your life, like an Addison, um, who helped connect you to Jesus. Maybe it was a coworker a friend, a, a, a classmate, a coach, a neighbor. How many of you here had someone play a part in your life getting to know Jesus in the church? Raise your hand if someone helped you do that. It's most of us at times. A lot of times it could be a parent, it could be a Sunday school teacher, but that's what the church is to be doing. I love hearing about the church being the church, connecting people that we care about to what God says is most important, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with his body. I, I hope you... Um, understand and are not surprised about the fact I love the church. I love my church. Uh, not to say it's my church, it's God's church, but, but I love the church doing what church does. And some of you may be thinking, why would anyone love the church? It's just wood and carpet and bricks and glass, but that's not the church. The church is God's people like Braxton and Addison, like Bob and Adam, like whoever you're sitting around. The church is those who have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus and, and have been set apart to give him glory with their life. I truly love the church being the church. And we're going to talk today as we kick off this series about how we can connect others to Christ. But before that, I want us to slow down and just be the church just for a special moment. I want to praise God that Brody is here today. 
um, that Brody Haston has went through his first round of chemo and he is doing well. I saw his smile this morning as he checked into the kids' wing. Let's give God glory for Brody and what he's doing in his life. If you don't know, Brody's a second grader here in the area. His mom and dad have been a big part of the church for a long time. Uh, grandparents are part of the church. And Brody has found out he has liver cancer. And it's a big deal. Uh, our, our prayers were not initially answered how we wanted for Brody to be uh, freed from this type of chemo and this type of treatment. But I believe God is doing something bigger than I can even imagine right now. Because Brody is in his hands and God's power is greater than anything in this world. Amen? So let's pray. Let's be the church. Father in heaven, we lift up Brody now. We so thank you that he's uh, part of uh, just what's going on here today. Father, uh, bless his mom and dad, his grandparents. Uh, be with his brothers. Uh, let us as a community, and especially as a church, know how we can just celebrate him and, and support him at just the right time. And we lift him up as brothers, sisters in Christ right now through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that you do a mighty work in his life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The church is God's people uh, doing what God's will is. Addison and Braxton's story is amazing. Life transformation. Uh, you heard Braxton testify, I, I didn't think I was worthy. That, that is a lie from Satan himself. I want you to know, maybe you're here today and you've not been at church for a long time or ever. You are worthy of God's love. In fact, he thought you were so valuable to be loved, he sent his son to die for you. That's a big deal. That, that shows us our value. And life change and transformation is really what God's all about. We love to see stories of transformation. I mean, radical change is really cool to watch. We, we see it all over uh, movies and TVs and social media. We're, we're drawn to these stories of life change. I don't know if you're like me. I can uh, really be drawn into stories of life change. I mean, radical life change. I don't know if you've ever uh, come across some of these uh, in any type of media, but, but kind of rags to riches story. I came across this one recently. It drew me in. This dog had a rags to riches story. He was found in an alley and then he ended up in a mansion, okay? You can't not look away from that, right? That's, that's just a cool story. Or how about these kind of stories, home makeovers, where you see tr houses transformed? What an amazing location that someone says, I'm going to make a transformation of this, this house. But probably the one that affected our culture as much as anything was things like The Biggest Loser, where people went from being very unhealthy, often overweight, and they transformed their bodies and they changed their, their life uh, and, and their health. And we're drawn to these things. Uh, I can remember, uh, if you're like me, being on the couch and seeing some of these life change stories of The Biggest Loser. And, and you're just like, wow, the commitment, the effort. And you're, you get pumped. You're like, man, that is so awesome that guy could do that. He, he, or that woman could do that. They've done all this. And then you realize you're sitting on the couch with your pajamas on. You're eating a gallon of ice cream and a bag of chips at the same time. <laughs> and you start wondering, am I ever going to have a life change story? You start thinking, is that type of change ever going to be real in my life? Today's purpose is this, and, and this is a wake-up call. This is, this is awesome. We all are invited to have a life change story and help others' lives be changed through Christ. Amen? I don't know if you didn't sound very confident about that. We're invited uh, for a life change story, connecting others to Christ. No one needs to stay on the couch, and for that matter, no one needs to continue just to sit in the pew, but we're all called to be a part of what Christ is doing in the church. Listen to this scripture that Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. This is Jesus. He's the one who can say that. It's his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Guys, sometimes in church culture over my years growing up, we have made this passage to be something of defense. In the sense of this, like, oh, well, you remember Jesus said that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We think, well, as long as we can stay safe, as long as we trust Jesus, uh, the evil of this world will not come against us. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Well, that's true. We will not be overcome. Jesus here is saying when the church is being the church and we're connecting others to Christ, the gates of hell won't even be able to hold us back. We are going to overrun what Satan is trying to do in the souls and lives of people. Amen? God allows us through what Christ is doing to build his church. And even hell is not going to be able to hold us back by Jesus building his church through us. We're part of this life story for so many people. That's what we're called to do. But we've got to first value the church, what God's doing, what Christ is building. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Christ is the head of the church. Now that's a big truth. Christ is the head of the church. So when I say I love my church, it's not because I have ownership. This church, all churches belong to Christ. He's the head. He's the leader. Look what it goes on to say. And is himself its savior. So Christ is the head. The church is his body. Uh, Say that with me. Christ is the head. The church is his body. So so we are very much uh, drawn into that. So here's what the thing we have to realize is the two should never be separated. Here's what I mean by emphasizing this. The two should never be separated. Jesus being the head and Christ the body. Our world has gotten to the point where people are really comfortable saying, well, I love God. I love what Jesus did for me. In fact, I really love Jesus, but I don't want really anything to do with the church anymore. I love God. He's the creator. Man, he's awesome. But his church is not for me. That's not the way it works. If you love Jesus, you're to be a part of the body. No matter how dysfunctional, no matter how messed up it is, uh, you do not separate your love for Christ and your part of the church that he is building. Too many people have grown comfortable by saying, I can have one, not the other. That's, that's, not what, that's not what's meant to be. Sure, understand this completely. Jesus is the hope of the world. And we must make it clear, we have a church globally, the big C church, because Jesus died for the church. So without Jesus, there is no church. But because Jesus values the church so much, that's why it should be important to us. That's why we got to be on mission for Christ to connect others to him. Like Addison. I'm still amazed by Addison and her boldness as a teenage high school student. I wonder what it'd be like if, if let's say, a hundred of us adults at this church had the boldness that Addison had, of connecting people to Jesus. What, What an amazing testimony. But we've got to be on mission. Here's our mission. It's to love God, love people, and serve all. It's really a pretty simple mission. To love God, love people, and to serve all. That's the main thing the church is about because when we love God and we love people and serve all, we're going to be connecting more and more people to the body of Christ and the church is going to be building with Christ as our power. But sometimes uh, we find out that people come to church for different reasons. You know, I've recently asked some people or statistics have shown, uh, if you ask somebody, hey, why do you go to church? You know what the most common first answer is? Well, I go there to worship. That's 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 a fair response to why you go to church. But let's be honest. We don't come to church for worship in and of itself. 
Uh, Some people say, well, I come to church for worship. I love the songs at 1030 or whether it's 830 in traditional service. Ben just does such a great job. Uh, While as awesome as Ben is and as great as the the team is, you can find better uh, musical worship online or on the radio, on TV. Why do we come to church? It's not for worship. Not musically anyways. Some other people say, well, I go to church for preaching because it's good. Well, that's that's good. (laughs) Let's be honest. You don't come to church for preaching. You can find a a better sermon today on on 100 different platforms, on social media, on the radio, on TV. Uh, Teaching is very important, but you don't come here because this is the only place you can be taught. That's just, that's not true. So why do we come to church? It's a part of our mission to love God, uh, to love people and to serve all. While you can learn at home and you can worship at home, which I don't think you can do it as well as you can here, there's something you can't do at home by yourself. It's to love others and to serve them. You just can't. So when we worship together, when we study God's word together, when we commune together around the Lord's Supper in a minute, there's something special that happens in the church that keeps building. We've got to get past the point of saying, well, I love God, but I don't really need the church. Well, we do need each other. And based on our mission, there's a lot of things you can't do at home, and that's mainly love each other and serve one another. There's so many things that we have to really focus on, and when we live out that mission, we're going to connect people to the hope of Jesus. It happens. It really does. I've seen it happen. When we live our mission, we connect people to Jesus. He came into my office like a bull in the china shop. He did. I was sitting at my desk in Hersher about 10 years ago, and he came in fast. He, He just... Bust in, bust in the door. I was working on something. On my, I looked up, and there he was, already sitting in my chair right in front of me. And he was a big guy, big beard, uh, a biker type of guy, tattoos. Uh, his biceps are bigger than my thighs. I was a little nervous right from the beginning. And he just stares at me. I'll, I don't say anything. He doesn't say anything. Like two seconds went by. It seemed like 20 minutes. And then he said, I want what you have. I stood up, and I offered my wallet. I said, here it is, Okay. <laughs> Here's my computer. Really, I, I, I had known him better than he wasn't there to hold me up. But when he said, I want what you have, I didn't know what he was talking about. And then he began to tell me that he wanted what he felt when he came to church. He had come to church with his wife and his young daughter a few times. And he was missing something in his life. He was lost. He was hurting. He was let down by the world. But when he came to church and he saw the love that we had for our, uh, one another and we shared with him, he wanted that. He couldn't put his finger on it. Whenever I first asked him um, what, what drew him to church, and he said, well, the preaching's pretty good. And I said, well, thanks for the compliment. And then, and then he literally said this. He said, how long does it take you to put together one of those sermons? And I said, why don't you guess? He said, 20 minutes. I was like, it's that good? <laughs> and then he said... Man, I really love the band. We had a band, a full contemporary band at Hersher at that time. He says, I really love the electric guitar and the worship service. Man, that's, but he didn't come for the preaching. He didn't come for the electric guitar. You know what he came for? And he said it. He came for the fact that he felt love of God's people. And our mission is love God, love people, and to serve all. I wonder how you feel. What, 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 what you believe is really going to connect people to Jesus Man, you can have the best building, you have the best ministry, but if we don't have love, we have nothing. That's what Paul says. Look look what Jesus says. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, 
You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know what's going to prove to the world to model to them that we belong to Jesus? Our love for one another. That's why I can say, because not that this is my church as your pastor or your leader. I love my church because we're called to love one another. Amen? I pray that you love your church. You love people. As we love them, they're going to be connected to the hope of Jesus. Praise God, uh, that gentleman who came to my office years ago gave his life to Jesus. And his family began to follow Jesus. Another guy came to my office this week, just this week. He didn't surprise me. We had an appointment. He, we sat down at the table. And early on in the conversation, he had a similar story, even though he's much more normal like I am than the, the other guy I told you about. Just kind of a normal guy. But he, he shared with me, he says, recently I felt like I've been lost. He said, last week I told my friend I felt lost. He confessed to me real time. He says, man, I just feel lost I, and I'm looking for something. He says, but I've been coming uh, to the church uh, for a few weeks now. And when I'm here, uh, there's something good that takes place. I, I feel uh, a connection that I haven't had before. And we began to explain that, that when the body of Christ is loving, even when we're lost, we can be found in Jesus. And, and that began to make sense to him. So I encourage you, for the sake of a gentleman I met 10 years ago, and for the sake of a, a man that I think is worshiping among you today, keep loving one another. Keep loving each other. Keep lifting up the name of Jesus because there are people that are lost. There are people that are hurting and they feel alone. One of, great, one of Satan's greatest tricks and tools is to get us to feel like we're so alone and so lost that we can never be found. If you're human, it's likely that you have felt lost before and you didn't know the next step to go. And one of Satan's greatest tools is he catches wind of that somehow. He sees us. He hears what we say. I want you to know Satan can't read your mind. He can't know your heart. But he, he pays attention. And when you feel lost and hurting, man, I think he pours on temptation. He pours on pressure. And if we're not careful, in our isolation, he can get the best of us. That is why, honestly, I think the danger we come out in the last two years is, is very deadly spiritually. Now, I know there are times that we may need to isolate because we're sick. It happens every year at the Graber House. It's called the flu. People's stomach flu or whatever. Tiffany will isolate us in a room. And when we're healthy, then we get out and relate to the family again. Our world went through a time where we felt like the only way we could survive is to be alone. And that is dangerous spiritually. If you're alone for a very long time at all, if you're removed from the body, Satan can isolate you and get you to think you're so far alone, you're so far lost, that he can uh, test you and tempt you and, and tear you apart more than you realize. We cannot afford to be spiritually alone. We must be connected. I love the church connecting. Maybe for some reason today, you're watching online. Maybe you are sick. Maybe you don't have transportation and you feel alone. I want you to know you can be connected to this church body. Uh, give us a call this week. Write us a letter. Uh, uh, send us a message. We want to connect with you. Maybe you're listening on the radio and you're alone riding in the car. Know that God is ready to be with you. Maybe you're here in the room today and there's a couple hundred people with you, but you feel alone. I have been in worship services and college and on mission trips and been around hundreds of people, and there are times whenever I have felt like I was alone and didn't know the next step. 
We have to remember that we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us and we can call on our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you feel alone today, know that that is not where God wants to leave you. He wants to know that you belong and that you can grow in him. Jesus says this in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to tear us apart. That's Satan. But he says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And we're to share that. We're to connect others to that. Look what Paul says about this reality that we're to connect others to Christ. He says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, you and I, not just pastors or elders, but use the entire church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all. You're like, does that include me? If you're here today, maybe, maybe you're listening to this message, been presented the gospel from the beginning that Jesus loved you. Maybe you just heard that, that God wants to give all of his eternal life. And who is that for? It is for all people. You, each and every one of you. And we've got a great responsibility as a church to connect everyone to him. Look what it says about this responsibility in 2 Corinthians. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We have a big responsibility to love God, love people, and serve all, to connect them to Christ. We work hard to persuade others. You can't tell me that Addison Beerley didn't purposely work hard to connect her friend Braxton to Jesus. She worked hard. She got snacks together and, and talked to her. Whenever she had a feeling, she expressed it. She listened. She invited them to the church. She worked hard. We're to, we're, we're to work hard to persuade others. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Whether you're high school or college age or young adult or you're senior citizens, whether, whether you're a brand new to the faith or you've been a, a believer for 80 years, we're given this responsibility to bring people to connect them to Christ. So how do you do it? I think the church has really messed up on this on a regular basis, not just this local church, but in the United States of America, the church in the last 20, 40 years has got this wrong. Oftentimes, you're like, people need to come to the church, and the first thing they need to do is to really fit in that they, they've got to behave. I don't know if you ever felt that way. I did in the 80s. If you didn't have the right shoes and socks on, you were in trouble, okay? We, we thought if they were going to, to be a part of the church connect, they had to behave. And then we were like, if they start to believe that I behave, maybe then I can become like them it wasn't even like jesus but it was like them that's dangerous that's terrible and then if if they behave and believe and they become then they can belong and guys we have to flip that all around and be purposeful about that the first thing i want you to know today to connect others to the church we've got to give them a place to belong no matter where they're at right now much like addison did for braxton she shared life with her she loved her she listened and she cared for her friend, and she let her know that she belonged in a relationship with her friend. And then there's this big word, it's really pretty simple, but she invited her to know Jesus and to church. You can all do that. You can know someone, uh, be in a good relationship with them, let them feel comfortable with you, and then you can invite them to know Jesus and be a part of the church. And you know what? Most of the time, that's all it takes. Yes, invite them to join us. No strings attached. Just say, hey, come and be a part of us. Let them know we're not really that weird other than like D arms. We're, we're really pretty normal. <laughs> you know how I can say that today? D's on vacation. Isn't D awesome? Let's praise God for D. <laughs> he is. If you don't know D, maybe you're here. You need to meet D, okay? He, he's a cool guy. 
But in all honesty, invite them. Say, hey, you may not have ever experienced this before, but we're really normal people who have a relationship with Jesus that is allowing us to live forever. After you have them in a relationship, you can let them know they can belong here too. Secondly, once they begin to belong, we connect people to God, leading them to believe, leading them to believe truth. Last week we talked about this. There's knowledge that we know in our minds, but there's something different when you believe in your heart. Braxton wasn't even led, or Addison wasn't even led to say this, but in her testimony, she said, there was a time when I told my friend Baxton what I believed about Jesus and found out what she believed. And remember, she says, I don't know what I believe. I wasn't even sure. I didn't even know if I was worthy. But we've got to get to the point where we don't just invite them and hang out with them. We need to talk about what we believe, what we know, what we trust in. And I promise you this, when you invite your friends here and they come and we'll try to be as normal as possible, Ben will share with them about Jesus. I will share with them, whoever's preaching will share with them the hope of Jesus on a regular, every week basis that Jesus died for you and came back to life so that you could live and have your sins forgiven if you would just trust in him. We will share with them what we believe. And here's the main belief that there is life after death for everyone who believes and gives their life to Jesus. That's where our hope is found. So you help them belong, you help them believe, and then you connect God them to God by helping them become. Become what? Like us? You know, there was a time in church culture, if you behave enough, then you can be like us. That is not what we're saying. When you belong and you believe, you become like Christ. Now, here's a twist on this. Paul said in our reading for today in 1 Corinthians, if you're reading through 1 Corinthians with us, he says, imitate me. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So if our goal, if you are imitating someone that's following Christ, you can try to become like them because you're trying to become like Christ. But our main goal is to be like, become like Jesus. And the main thing that Jesus has become is alive. Look at Romans 6. He says, we therefore were buried with him, that's Jesus, through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too have new life. They live a new life. Jesus was changed to dead, from dead to alive in his resurrection. And when we're immersed with him in baptism, when we go under the water, the Bible clearly says that we are changed and given a new life. We're made dead to sin and alive in Christ. We're alive. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. If you're a believer, you've had a life change story. You've went from dead to alive. Now, here's the last one. Remember, in the old school model of church that we never really meant to be, it never was biblical, but it happened over times. If you behave, you could fit in. There is a point when we celebrate when people behave. Look at this. After they belong, after they believe, after they become a follower of Christ, there will be a time where we celebrate when they behave. I know that's a word that most of us don't like because we were told as eight-year-olds to behave. You better behave. I tell my boys still when they leave, and, and I'm going to have a 20-year-old this week. I'm going to still tell them when he leaves my house, you better behave. Okay, I don't think we ever grow that when we resist that. But I'm not telling us as Christians we behave so we can be like everyone else in the room. We behave in the sense that we uh, live a life that honors Jesus and follows his model. It's not so much the fact that we want to, to make sure we don't do all the wrong things so we can fit in. We want to be in a position we do the right things that Jesus would have us to do. So don't feel disrespected when there's a celebration we behave. It's scriptural. Look what it says. This is called sanctification. This is becoming set apart as God's holy people. 
Look what it says in Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which we are called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. These are people that have behavior that are set apart. This does not mean they're perfect and, and they never make mistakes, but, but they're sanctified. They're, they're living for Jesus and his incomprehensible, incomparable, a great power for us who believe. So he says this, when we believe his power strengthens us to live for him. And in that we celebrate. We need to understand that we don't behave so we can be worthy of him. We live a life of behavior that honors him. For years, the church has said something like this. Not just this church, but globally, we've said stuff like this. Behave so you could become like others to prove you believe in hopes that you may one day belong. And we're going to flip the script on that. We're going to go backwards. Right now, you belong because God says you belong. And as you believe in Jesus, you become like him when you give your life to him. And then out of your overflow of honoring God, you live a life that honors him. That is our goal as we connect people to Jesus. Jesus understood the tension of this. So there, there's a hard battle to understand this. So he told a story. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. How many of you heard the story of the prodigal son before? The guy who blew all the dad's money. Man, it still gets under my crawl a little bit. This guy went to his dad and says, Dad, I know you're not dead, but I want what he's got coming to me now. And the dad's like, okay. And he took all that wealth and he squandered it. The prodigal really means he wasted it foolishly. He was extravagant with what he's given. And he, he went through the money in a few matter of weeks. He ends up feeding pigs slop. And he's like, man, if I could just eat the slop they have, then I would really be happy again. And he realizes that his dad's servants eat better than even he has a chance to eat. So he said, man, I need to go home to dad. But he's like, I don't think I'm worthy. Kind of like Braxton thought. I don't think I can come back. My behavior's been so bad, God doesn't want me to belong anymore. My father. And Jesus tells a story that screams the fact the father is just waiting for your return. No matter how bad your behavior been, no matter how long you've been from God, he's waiting to, to embrace you so you belong, so you will become like Jesus. Man, the father wants you to belong, to be connected. He longs for it. Watch this modern clip of the video of this prodigal son story and let it touch your heart of just how much God wants you to belong. Here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a shot in the 
I'm coming through town soon, and, and I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but, but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. And if the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going, and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. Father's there. He's waiting for you. If you're in the room and you're lost and you're, you feel alone, you feel unworthy, he's waiting for you to take a step toward. He's going to run and embrace you. We also need to understand that the Father is waiting for our friends and the people of our world, that he's, he's wanting us to connect, that's given us the responsibility to share his love. He's waiting for them to take one step, and he's going to embrace them because he has made a way for them to belong through Jesus. But the temptation of the world would be like, oh, you, you can never behave enough to belong to this family. That's a lie. Because all that that boy did, here's what the father said, Jesus said in Luke 15, 24. This son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So let the party begin. He says the party began. You know what they did? They slaughtered this fattened calf and they had ribeyes that day. He put the ring on his finger. He says, my son who was lost is alive. All you have to do is take a step and he's ready for you to belong to his family forever. So I invite you, if you feel lost, if you feel like that outsider who has been uh, uh, running around with the world for too long, you're not sure if you're welcome, you belong here. Uh, you have every reason to believe that Jesus loves you. You can become like him today uh, by the miracle of forgiveness of sin through, through what he's done for us on the cross. And you can have a chance to behave, not because... We have to behave, but because we want to, of what God's done for us. You might be different, though. You might say, well, I've given my life to Jesus a long time ago. And for a while, I've been going through the motions. And it doesn't feel like I belong anymore. It doesn't feel like I'm connected. I don't think you need to be rebaptized. You know what I think? I think you need to, to begin to act like you belong. We have noticed, we have read statistics, the truth is... The people that are most connected to the church, if the church is growing, the people that are most connected are involved in two things, service and study together. 
So if you feel like, hey, I'm not connected, it feels like nobody even cares, I feel like I'm lost, ask yourself, have you been going the motion, through the motions or have you been involved in service for God's kingdom? Have you been involved in a Bible study, a Sunday school class, or a small group? And if you haven't been doing, doing those things, you may, very well, may not be connected. We've realized that the most connected people are involved. If we get isolated, Satan can tempt us and tear us apart. But when, we're, when we're in the middle of what God is doing, there's protection, there's strength. So let me invite you to three things. One's not even on the board. Uh, get plugged into a Sunday school class. Before this worship hour, every Sunday, there's a class for you. Every one of our rooms around this uh, property, and there's a number of them, have a class that's meeting in them at 9.45 to 10.45. Join one of those. Get connected. If a Sunday school class doesn't work for you, uh, join us starting September 14th for a small group. We're going to uh, dive deeper into God's Word each Wednesday night, this, this between now and the new year. Uh, join a parenting in the digital age class. If you're a parent, a grandparent, aunt or uncle, maybe you're a teacher, understand better how to navigate the digital age with your young person by joining this small group on Wednesday night. Sign up for that. Get involved. Get connected. And here's one other way. It's a big one. From my own experience... One of the greatest ways to connect is to put down your own desires and serve. On September 25th, we're going to have a day where this church, I mean all of us, get out and serve the community. Uh, we're going to serve different uh, groups and organizations. We're going to serve uh, widows and single moms. We're going to serve elderly. We're going to serve people that are down on their luck. There's about 28, I believe, I could be way off, different opportunities of things you can serve down the hall and to the right when you leave. And I'm asking you to sign up to serve on September 25th. And let's change people's awareness of what it means to be connected to the church and love on them. To be connected, to really be thriving, we've got to be studying, we've got to be serving together. We've got to be living like we're alive with the hope we have. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15. I pray that God, the source of hope, fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our vision is that hope changed everything, so we've got to be sharing it. Here's what's cool. We as a church, I love our church because we're dealers of hope. We're not dealers of behavior modification. We're not dealers of, of knowledge. We're dealers of relationship with Jesus that gives us hope that we can face anything. I want you to know you can belong as you believe in Jesus, as you become like him, and you will behave and we'll celebrate together. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Help us to become more like Jesus, to connect others to him, to, to grow your church. Father, Lord, today, if there's someone in the room that has felt like that son that's too far gone, let them come back today. Let them return to the Father, to, to your Father, because of what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, if there's someone here today that's ready to be baptized and, and be made new and be buried and have their old self uh, buried and raised to a new life in Christ and have their sins uh, completely washed away because of what you've done for us on the cross, I pray that they would make that decision real. Lord, if someone's just here today and they said, I, I need to get plugged back in, I need to serve, I need to, to get back into study with other Christians and love others and serve them, I pray that they would, they would commit to that. Father, whatever it may be, I pray that you would grow us and connect your church for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?